This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about malted milk. Yes, which is another episode I could have sworn up and down we'd already done. <laughs> but... Nope, no purrs. <laughs> uh, soda fountains, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other kinds of milk, sure. Right. I believe I've talked about this because every time I think about malted milk, I remember an experience I had with a friend of mine who got offended that I'd never, I didn't know the difference between a milkshake and a malt. Okay. And he, he it was like his, he <laughs> was like on the pulpit <laughs> preaching to me like, about how much more amazing malts were and he was telling me where to get them in Atlanta and then he disappeared into the night on his motorcycle. So it was just a very vivid <laughs> memory for me. <laughs> wow, like the, 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 the malted Avenger. I love this. <laughs> oh, I'm, I am sure he would take that mantle on proudly. Um, <laughs> was there any particular reason this was on your mind? Uh, it was so long ago, a week or so, <laughs> that I made this decision. I have no idea. Uh, I, I think I was just kind of like, like, yeah, like, like, oh, like, like mal- malted milk. How, how does that work? What is that about? Let's look into yeah. it. Well, it does have an interesting history and science behind it. Um, it certainly does. And it is, um, I, I, maybe not at the like malted Avenger level 
Um, but I do, I do love a malt. Like if I have the opportunity, if someone is like, would you like an egg cream or a malted egg cream? I'm like malted, obviously. (laughs) Um, like if, if there's, if, if the option exists, I will take it every time. Mm. Okay. I don't think I've had one as of yet. As of the Avenger that Mm -hmm. I interacted with. (laughs) Even though I live really close to a place he told me to go uh, get one. Um. But I, yes, I'm sure I would love it. Uh, It sounds delicious. I love this kind of thing anyway. Uh uh Also, for the, like, two of you that are thinking, wait, it's Life Day, even though you don't know when we're recording this. (laughs) Uh, Yes, uh, there will be a Life Day episode. Never fear. Yes, yes. We have Um, not forgotten. Oh, I could never. (laughs) You you literally uh, could not, I don't think. (laughs) Even if everyone involved wants me to. (laughs) Oh, no, if you've seen never. it, you can't forget it. Um, <laughs> the holiday special Annie is talking about yes. of Star Wars. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I forget. No one, again, only two of you probably are like, wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, we have done episodes related to this. Um, you can see our episodes on condensed and evaporated milk. Expiration dates. That one always pops up in our milk uh-huh. episodes. Yep. Yep. Um, we did an episode on milk types. That's kind of related. Sure. Um, also, our beer episodes, um, perhaps especially stouts and porters, um, and maybe like our scotch interview. Yeah. I love it. That's a wide range. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everything from <laughs> from condensed milk to scotch uh, is good background reading material. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Or listening it is. material. <laughs> Yes. Well, I guess that brings us to our question. Sure. Malted milk. What is it? Well, uh, malted milk is a type of dry powder made from milk um, and extracts of wheat and barley. Um, The malt comes in because the barley has been malted. That is, it's been germinated and then roasted. Um, This makes the barley develop sugars and adds some, like, sweet, roasty, toasty flavors to the already kind of rich, earthy, bready, caramel, custardy flavors of the milk and the wheat. There's often a little bit of salt in there, too. It can come with other flavorings, like like cocoa powder. Uh, malted milk can be mixed with hot or sometimes cold milk to make a simple flavored beverage, but it is also used to sort of like season uh, sweet beverages and desserts like milkshakes or, or cookies maybe, adding a depth of flavor. It's a, it's a flavor punch up for sweet and or creamy things. Um, it's like a, it's like powdered beer minus the funk add creaminess. Um, it's... It's like a roasty, toasty, powdered creamer. Um, it's like it's like discovering that there's a new color in the spectrum that you've just never noticed before, and it just adds like a little extra dimension to everything it touches. Oh, it's like the force. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, life day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my heck. Okay. Uh, all right. So malted milk is an industrially produced product, um, sort of like Life Day, um, <laughs> to, uh, to, to make it. Um, uh, manufacturers start by making a sort of like grain soup or, or, or tea, I guess, out of uh, malted barley and wheat flour. 
So, okay, let's talk about malted barley. Uh, Like I said a second ago, malted means germinated and dried, meaning that you take a grain and you create an environment where it'll start to germinate. Um, You know, grains are seeds, right? They contain proteins that code for growing a plant, plus starches to feed that hypothetical growth, all wrapped up in a little starchy, portable package, right? So so, so given moisture and a pleasant temperature, a seed of grain will start to grow a plant. One of the very first steps of which is breaking down those starches into sugars for easy processing. So when you malt grains, you're using that natural process to do some work for you, creating sugars. Um, this helps in alcohol production because your, your fermentation yeasts need to eat sugars in order to make alcohol. But we're stopping at just sugars today, okay? Uh, And so, okay, because you don't want a whole plant, you're going to stop your germination process by drying out the grains in a process called kilning. And kilning is a whole complex, like, science art kind of thing. But very basically, um, uh, you can dry out the grains either quick and clean or or slow and, and, and steady. And when you dry them slow, um, the proteins and the sugars and the grains are going to undergo a couple of reactions, um, caramelization and the uh, Maillard reaction. Uh, These two are at work when you uh, sear a steak or um, toast bread, you know. Um, in, In caramelization, sugars decompose in the presence of elevated temperatures, creating all kinds of fun, uh, toasty flavor compounds. I think like toffee or butter, like jam, stone fruits, cotton candy, all of those nice flavors that you can get. Um, In the Maillard reaction, uh, amino acids react with sugars, usually at elevated temperatures, to create all kinds of roasty, fun flavor compounds. Think like toast, citrus, currants, chocolate, and coffee. And those flavors can be super fun in like a beer or a whiskey, um, but why should those drinks have all the fun? Um, (laughs) So manufacturers take this malted barley and wheat flour, uh, cook it for a little bit in water, and then separate out the solids from the liquid, which is our operative part here. Um, That liquid is then mixed with milk, uh, probably some salt, some baking soda to help balance out the pH, maybe some extra vitamins and minerals, um, maybe other flavorings like the aforementioned cocoa. And then the whole mix is then vacuum evaporated until you wind up with a solid product that can be ground into a powder and then spray dried, which is uh, forced through like a pressurized spraying system that removes almost all of the remaining moisture. The product is then shelf stable and can be packaged up and will keep for just years just sitting around. Some formulations of malted milk are made to be dissolvable dissolvable (laughs) in uh, cold milk or water, Um, but some have to be made into a hot beverage. It just depends on how they're made. It doesn't really change the texture or, like, the thickness of the drink. Mostly just adds flavor. Like, there's a little bit of texture involved. Again, it can depend on the formulation. Um, But, yeah, you can uh, can also mix malted milk powder into your batter for making ice cream or baked goods or chocolates. Um, Or you can add a scoop of powder to a milkshake or an egg cream that you're mixing up. Or even just uh, sprinkle some over an ice cream sundae. It is also used to flavor candies, like a chocolate-covered malted milk balls. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. My dad loved those. It always confused me as a kid. <laughs> um. <laughs> I dislike the texture of those, but I but I very much enjoy the flavor. Yeah, I had no problem with them. It was just like, of the things I could have, that was at the bottom. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, um, what about the nutrition? 
Um, depending on how malted milk is made, it'll have, you know, like a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein, wee little smattering of micronutrients. It can have uh, a bunch of added nutrients. It can have a bunch of added sugar. Again, it depends. Um, uh, if it is, if, if there is a bunch of sugar, it's kind of a treat. Treats are nice. Um, mm-hmm. By itself, it's not super nutritious, but um, I will say that in populations where uh, food scarcity and nutrition are issues, malted milk powder can help increase consumption of milk versus less nutritious drinks like like sodas. You know, it uh, it makes milk more fun. Um, doesn't necessarily add too much sugar, um, so so it can be it can be sold as a like health product in that way. But I mm. think it, I think it's more getting you to choose something healthier versus it it in itself is really healthy right most of the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh well we do have some numbers for you just a couple um uh, i i'd say that it's considered pretty old-fashioned here in the united states um but in other areas it's never it, it's like kind of been growing in popularity over the years um and it is still part of daily life in some places for example, um, uh, albeit small study that I read out of Malaysia found that some 73% of households serve malted milk to their kids. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and according to some market research, it is coming back in places like the U.S. as well. Um, the global market is estimated to be worth over $12 billion a year um, by 2027. Wow. Um and it has such a fascinating history. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. 
like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. back thank you sponsor yes thank you um okay so malt as an ingredient for for beer and later uh whiskeys um goes way back um that is an old ingredient we have talked many times about um different technologies that that have emerged over the course of the centuries to to uh make the process easier or uh or more complicated but in fun ways um and uh <laughs> uh and so a lot of that was was really coming to a head around like the 1700s ish right yes um when it comes to malted milk powder okay a lot of things <laughs> say malted milk powder was invented in 1873 by a British food producer named William Horlick and his brother James Horlick, who's a physician. Now, a lot of things say William. Then you dig a little bit deeper, and a lot of things say James. Okay. Uh, also, maybe it was neither of them. Uh, <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> so I'm just saying they both were involved in some way <laughs> right here. Um, cool. <laughs> the original product was a combination of reduced dry whole milk, malted barley extract, and wheat. Um, so Horlick, uh, William, used a vacuum to dry the malt and wheat. Once they'd nailed down the formula for malted milk, the brothers joined forces to open a factory in Chicago, but they eventually moved production to Racine, Wisconsin in 1875. Um, the patent for this product was granted in 1883. There is a lot of drama around that, though. We're going to talk about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, at first, this product was intended as a nutritional supplement to be mixed with milk. And specifically, it was meant for infants and people who were sick. Um, as a physician, James had experimented with something like malted milk in London before the brothers moved to the U.S. Um, by the 19th century, doctors knew that malt was easy to digest, but the liquid form presented some problems, mainly that it fermented over time. Uh -huh. um, so a lot of people have been trying to invent a dry, stable, powdered malt for years, and James was a part of that, that group. Um, so once they had done this, the brothers first marketed the product as diastoid, um, <laughs> which I think is fun. But a lot of things I read was like a disastrous name. Um, so <laughs> they did soon change the name to malted milk, uh, which is a term they trademarked in 1887. Uh, and it was pretty popular. Um, and not just as a convenient but tasty health product. People would often add it add a scoop to their milk to boost the nutrition of the milk. Um, however, there was a problem, and it was the milk. Because, as we've discussed, <laughs> pre-refrigeration and pasteurization, spoiled milk commonly carried diseases. It made people sick, especially children. Mm -hmm. um, so Horlick uh, wanted to create a version that didn't need to be mixed with milk. Um, and by 1881, again, this is generally credited to William but if James is the physician, I'm kind of confused. But anyway, either way, one of them found a mm -hmm. way to dry the milk along with the malt and wheat so that it could be mixed with water. Uh, and yeah, 
Physicians and dentists prescribed it to patients. It was advertised for all kinds of things like flu prevention, a digestive aid, a sleep aid if you had it before bed, um, and just general health boost that it could grant. Um, Explorers often carried it with them on their journeys, including to places like the Himalayas and the North Pole. Um, It was lightweight. It was calorie-packed and imperishable, making it perfect for intense travel. And because of the taste and convenience, soldiers often carried it with them too. And many athletes incorporated it into their diets and were outspoken about Mm -hmm. how much they loved it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yes, many explorers did take malted milk on their expeditions, including Richard Byrd, who named a mountain range in Antarctica after the Horlick Company. And a little bit more on that later. (laughs) But yes. Um, But outside of that, people did enjoy drinking it for the taste alone. Um, And soda fountains began offering it uh, plain or later mixed with ice cream. Seeing an opportunity, Horlicks started adding chocolate to some of their products. And the resulting product was really popular. Oh, yeah. Like wildly popular. Um, Like by 1916, various companies in the U.S. were producing some 11 million pounds of malted milk every year. But by 1930, that had doubled. Um, And malt shops began opening across the country where they sold malts or malteds. Um, And malted milk did get a boost during the temperance movement and prohibition when soda fountains grew in popularity as folks were looking for an alternative to alcohol. And yes, you can see our soda episode on that. Yeah, Yeah, uh, right. These were soda fountains, but they were called malt shops because of the popularity of this one product. Um, but yeah, like like during Prohibition, uh, Coors, the beer company, switched over to making malted milk because they had the the, the equipment to make, you know, malted barley. Um, they wound up scoring a contract with the Mars Candy Company, um, and this might be the reason that Coors survived Prohibition. Um, they did stop making malted milk in 1957, though. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, Walgreens likes to say that one of their soda fountain employees, one um, Ivar Pop Colson, invented the chocolate malted milkshake in 1922. Um, hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, one of those things I strongly suspect that if people, if soda jerks had ice cream and they had malt and they had chocolate syrup, I don't know. I wasn't yeah. there. Couldn't tell you. Just seems like a natural (laughs) coming together of things. Sure. Um, I did read in the 1930s and 40s that these malted drinks were most likely more foamy uh, than we would be accustomed to, but they shifted to something more semi-frozen in the 1950s, probably with more refrigeration available. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that also does line up with like the proliferation of electric blenders around the same time. So... Yes. I read that there's a museum exhibit that has, uh, is it Hamilton Beach, also in Racine? Uh, Oh, yeah. Very specific blenders that were branded with Horlick's uh, logo. Oh, wow. Um, So, yes, yes. Uh, Brief malted milk balls aside, um, (laughs) because... Malted milk was not limited to drinks. Yep. Uh, In 1929, Nestle patented an extremely specific process for making small balls out of malted milk by, uh, by, like, processing the the, the malted milk mixture into a sort of taffy and then drying it out. I've read other specific patents that use a totally different process, and it's so cool. I'm like, yeah, weirdos. That is cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you weirdos, <laughs> get it. Um, in 1936, a company in England called Forest Malt created a milk cover malt candy called Maltesers, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A similar candy called Giants was first introduced in the U.S. in 1939. It was produced by the Overland Candy Company, and a decade later, they changed the name of that candy to Whoppers. So there you my go. My dad was a Milk Duds person. Milk Duds is is totally different. That's, yeah, now yeah. I'm realizing the truth of this. He did like Whoppers, though. Okay. But he preferred the Milk Duds. And I both were in the same category in my child brain. I was like, <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> milk Duds are more like a caramel kind of situation, like a chocolate caramel. Oh, well, no wonder. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. Let's get into some legal drama. Yes. <laughs> okay. So... When Horlick's patent ran out in 1900, other companies started producing malted milk, and Horlick's really didn't like this, and they sued one of the companies doing this, the Elgin Milkine Company, um, I believe. That's the English pronunciation. So hopefully it's close. Um, cool. But the court ruled in favor of the defendant since the name malted milk was used in the patent which was now open to the public. Oh. Um, hmm. Yes, yes. Um, further, the product didn't even have to be produced in the manner described in the patent to be called malted milk was something they ruled. And companies like Borden and Carnation took that ruling and ran with it. Um, Horlick tried to re-register the patent or at least add a disclaimer that might keep the patent alive in other countries, but didn't it's, didn't succeed. It was like a really funny dry read where the like the people on the, the legal people were like, this has never been done before. <laughs> they were like, well, please do it now. And they're like, no. They're like, we cannot. Sorry. <laughs> no. uh... <laughs> and there was so much trauma around this. Um oh. Borden sued Horlicks in 1913, alleging that they had engaged in an intense smear campaign against Borden, despite losing the previous lawsuit, um, claiming that Horlicks were claiming that they were the true and original product, um, the only, like, the real one, Mm -hmm. and that Horlick had pressured druggists to not use Borden even going so far as to remove items associated with Borden, like receptacles and dispensers for their products. Wow. Which the very tongue-in-cheek article I read about this was like he admitted to the first part. (laughs) 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 Um, But also, Borden tried to prove that Horlick wasn't the original inventor at all. Uh, Yeah, they claimed that the suit... They claimed that in the suit with Elgin, Elgin had alleged that a German chemist named von Liebig was the true originator of the process behind malted milk. And they referenced testimony in which William Horlick said he didn't invent it at all. Um, Even further, the British High Court of Justice had annulled Horlick's patent earlier because the complainant in the case alleged that Horlick got the patent for processing malted milk from them. Um, The British patent was almost the same as the American patent. Uh, So with... Yes. (laughs) Yes. So with all of this, Borden was arguing that the marketing campaign 
that was loudly proclaiming that they were the first, the original, the only genuine malted milk wasn't true. Um, however, ultimately, the suit was dismissed due to lack of proof. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, but they, they didn't in there. I'll say that. They were still mad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but that's kind of the the high point of it. Uh, uh, w- one small note, I will say that uh, that the the von Leibig was definitely like a he was he was a chemist who was working in a lot of processes like malt roasting and and drying. So um, so sure, yeah, Vag- vaguely mm. involved, perhaps perhaps not like yeah. Maybe not malted <laughs> milk, right. but the malting process was something that he was involved with. So, sure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll, we'll maybe never know. We'll maybe yeah. never know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to throw in a couple of random Ovaltine facts because <laughs> Ovaltine is not the same as malted milk. I think um, that they do make a malted milk product. They do. Okay. They do. But I was just reading about all of this drama <laughs> And then I ran across these articles about Ovaltine, and my little random fact brain was engaged. Because <laughs> um, I remembered in a Christmas story that's a famous when Ralphie's like trying to use his decoder to listen to this radio station and get the little Orphan Annie message, it ends up being, Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> And he feels so betrayed and comes out like a wiser person about <laughs> capitalism. But it just made me think of like this, all of this health part of it. Yeah. And sort of that kind of how it feels old fashioned mm-hmm. a bit um, in the U.S. Um, then there is a Jerry Seinfeld joke. The mug is round. The jar is round. Why don't they call it round teen? <laughs> and I, <laughs> st- I wasn't even looking for this, listeners, I swear. But I found... An article about it from Mother Jones um, that went into, like, is this joke true at all? Uh, it was originally called ovomaltine, ovomaltine uh, for eggs, ovo, the Latin word for eggs, and malt for malt, which were the two primary ingredients. So, wow. The joke doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, upcoming Ovaltine episode, I suppose. Oh, I would love it. I, I did research it, and it has a lot of fun. That's why it, I was like, okay, stop researching this. You're yeah. too much time. Because um, it does have a fun, interesting history. Um, but back to malted milk. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, Horlick's malted milk tablets were frequently included in children's and workers' lunches during the Great Depression in the 1930s and for decades after Many kept an emergency stock of these in their homes. Um, Malted milk certainly made both Horlick brothers rich. Uh, Mm -hmm. James moved back to to London. Um, William stayed in Racine, and he did donate a lot of his fortune uh, to a school. There's a hospital, a park, uh, the Boy Scouts. um, And he was one of the many backers of a Scandinavian expedition to the South Pole. the King of Norway gave him the Order of St. Olaf because of his contributions, and he was the first American to ever receive that. And yes, the Horlick Mountains, as I said earlier. Well. He has a mountain range <laughs> named after him. <laughs> or the product. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, the Horlick factory in Racine closed in 1975. Obviously, 
Uh, they're still, it's still getting made, but that factory in particular closed in mm. 1975. Yep. But this was a fun, I didn't realize that I was going to be reading about one product that had such a big impact that would have like a mountain range name. Right. Um. <laughs> I mean, but also patent drama. Like I know how much you love yes. a good dry oh. patent drama read. So <laughs> I do. I was reading that like like legal document, like wow, riveted. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I found that a bit later in my research. Um most of the things were just like, yeah, the Horlick brothers, one of them invented it. And then I found this, this one document and was like, no, they didn't. And it opened up all <laughs> this like other alleys for me to go down. Like, oh, <laughs> patent drama. Okay. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, I think that's what we have to say about malted milk for now. Uh, it is, of course, if, if y'all have any uh, personal associations, stories, recipes, we would love to hear about it. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, we do already have some listener mail for you. And we will get into that as soon as we get back from one more. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Quick break for a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listen Up! 
Captain Java. <laughs> in, the, in the Antarctic. <laughs> in the mountains of madness. Yes, yes. I yes. <laughs> love it. Yes. Uh, so today uh, we are going to split up a letter that we received from Joe. We always love receiving long letters. So oh, never yeah. Limit yourself at all. Yeah, no, um, no. Yes. Uh, but Joe wrote, Happy fall. I was listening to one of your episodes in the kitchen while I was cooking, as I usually do, when my brother wandered in to help. After a moment, he commented that either I talk like you or you talk like me, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Do you know that there is a linguistic phenomenon called entrainment? It's when two or more speakers subconsciously start to adjust to one another's <laughs> language practices. Hmm. Mm. Entrainment in action. But onwards to water chestnuts. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the Philippines has many variations of lumpia, and this is a variation of lumpiang sariwa, uh, which is wrapped in a fresh wrapper and is a personal favorite. And there's a link enclosed. Um, in grad school, my roommates entered a cooking contest hosted by our college where we did our take on a British roast dinner. We all came from different parts of the world and contributed a traditional dish as an element of the roast dinner, and mine was Lupiang Hubad. Oh, I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, <laughs> I made mine vegetarian because we had two meat entrees already. Lupiang Hubad usually calls for hikama, but I couldn't find it, so I figured canned water chestnuts were a similar enough textural substitute. We practiced our entry for an entire weekend and ended up winning the International Taste Prize. Aww. We were so proud. Here is a link to the more traditional recipe as well as my variation. I hope you try both. <sighs> okay, uh, uh, Joe continues... The Pantamorto episode was such a coincidence. On November 2nd, I attended a colleague's talk on their sabbatical research, which looked at the cultural and ecological significance of monarch butterflies. They mentioned all the same things you did about monarch butterfly migrations, as well as the belief associated with their return to Mexico. They even served Pantamorto, which I'd never tried before. I loved it and will definitely look for the fancier variations of the Mexican bakeries near me next year. And then, uh, uh, we're going to go through the uh, the uh, Lumpiang Hubad recipe. Okay, yeah? All right. Uh, ingredients. One can of water chestnuts, sliced. One can of bamboo shoots. One carrot julienne. One sweet potato julienne. Uh, half a large head of cabbage shredded. One tomato chopped. Large onion sliced. Uh, three to four garlic cloves minced. Two tablespoons of fish sauce. Salt and pepper. Okay. Recipe. Saute the onions, garlic, and tomato in a little oil until soft and translucent. Add the sweet potatoes and carrots and cook for about three minutes or until the sweet potatoes are slightly crisp. Um, add the water chestnuts and bamboo, then season with the fish sauce, salt, and pepper. Cook for another minute or two. It won't take long for either of them to cook. Add the cabbage last. Uh, lower the heat and cook it until slightly wilted and bright green in color. Turn off the heat. Serve with the sauce from the Lumpiang Sariwa recipe or um, Mang Tomas. I don't know. Or even hoisin sauce. P.S. Um, if anyone did want the hot chocolate or uh, champorado recipes I sent you, please feel free to share them. I hope you've been enjoying the tablea. Uh, yes, because they did send some tablea to both of us, and Annie did give me mine. Uh, I did. She did not hoard at all. Thank you. No. No. <laughs> Would never. Too suspicious. Superstitious for that kind of thing. <laughs> and and it is delicious. Oh, it makes a really, really, really nice hot chocolate. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm very excited. As we're moving into, like, cooler times, holiday times, to 
experiment. Yeah, uh, yeah. With it, we did have we did have a really good cold snap a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I definitely I was I was like, yes, this is what is happening, and it was oh, it's really lovely. Yes, and this recipe sounds great too. Um, yeah, truly, you listeners, I don't know if you you appreciate how much we love when you send recipes, and there are some that some of you have sent in that I make like pretty consistently. Aww. So. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Sounds That's so good. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think I've had the specific type of lumpia, but um, but mm-hmm. I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just yes. yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> well, and it's really funny because also when I was reading this, I didn't, I've never heard of entrainment. Um, that makes so much sense to me though. Oh, I yeah. I catch myself doing that <laughs> sometimes. Um I mean, there's kind of a running joke, especially with my friends in the South, where, like, if you talk to your Southern family, all of a sudden this accent comes out that you did not know you, <laughs> was lying uh-huh. in wait. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense to me. But thank you for teaching. I, I didn't know about that. So thank you. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a fun thing. Like I, I, I notice us doing it sometimes. Like especially th- there was one time when uh, a, a nice wait staff human came up to take our order at a restaurant, and they were like, "How you guys doing?" And we said simultaneously in exactly the same tone, "Good. How are you?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I felt like we were the creepy twins from The Shining yes. for just a second. But um, I did too. I'm it's... glad we were on the same mindset about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not in a bad way necessarily, but no. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much to Joe for writing in. Um, if you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We are also hypothetically on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. 
In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 